Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio on CBS and Play It. I am excited today, as always, because we are with a gentleman named John Rulin. John and I met a number of years ago when he moved to St. Louis, Missouri, where I live, and it just so happens we're in the same town now, came in from Cleveland, met a girl, had to move to St. Louis, and uh, I was fascinated by what he did. Let me give you a quick little background on this guy, because he really is amazing. I don't know if you've ever had a high school or college kid knock on your door wanting to sell you a set of knives. Those knives are typically Cutco knives. Well, we've experienced that a lot in our neighborhood where kids will come by. Well, this guy, John, is the number one ranked salesperson in all of Cutco in their 65-year history. He has sold millions of dollars of knives. He's broken every record, and they, they still stand. He is an amazing guy. They have over a million sales reps or distributors, as they like to call them, and this guy's the number one guy. That's just part of his story. A bigger part of the story is that he specializes in gifting, and guess what many of his gifts are? Not all of them, but many of them are logoed Cutco knives. And we'll talk about that because it's not so much about the knife and it's not so much about what he gifts. It's why he does it, the philosophy and the psychology behind it. The other thing you need to know about John is he is an extremely philanthropic guy, very charitable. He believes in giving back, which I think is a huge part of his DNA and his core values that he believes in. He owns a or co-owns a company actually called Bubble Banks, and he creates these cool banks that kids just love dropping money into. So the kids go to the parents and ask for coins to be dropped in. And his banks have literally raised millions of dollars for charities like the Ronald McDonald House and Children's Miracle Network. John, we are excited to have you on Amazing Business Radio. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Shep, for having me. This is uh, this is going to be fun. Well, let's jump into it. Let's talk about uh, your background and how you got into this whole... Co- let's first of all talk about Cutco knives. How old were you when you sold your first knife? My first knife? I was uh, a sophomore in college. A sophomore in college. Yeah. Now, people may not know what Cutco is, so give us... I mean, I know what they are because when you and I met, I said, oh, yeah, not only have I bought Cutco, but my son sold Cutco knives. Of course, yeah. It, it, you almost have to be under a rock to not have heard what Cutco is at some point in time. I mean, there's millions of kids that have sold it, and um, so people are usually familiar with the name, but the, the company actually started as a very small company out of Olean, New York. They're now about a quarter uh, billion dollar company, and uh, they still operate there. They're handmade there. They're kind of the Rolex of cutlery, but they've gone to a direct sales model, and which is one of the many things that makes them unique. Right, and a direct sales model, and they recruit young people. Not everybody's young. No, You're not they, so young anymore. No, I'm not. <laughs> I got I got young kids now, but yeah, they uh, one of the the college student division is one division of the company. But there's they they do probably three thousand trade events and Pebble Beach Food and Wine Festival type events, and so they've they've diversified into a lot of different areas. But they're still handmade the same way that they were back in the '40s. So quality, and they aren't inexpensive, but they're not overly priced either. But like Aldo Gucci once said. Quality is remembered long after price is forgotten. You get what you pay for. So these Cutco knives, I mean, if you're, you're a, a kid in college, you come home, you work hard during the summer. If you sell a set of steak knives, what is that going to cost a customer? 
Uh, two hundred fifty to five hundred dollars, depending that's, upon how big. The that's set a big is. sale for a college kid. Yeah, when I make. first heard about it, I, you know, the sets at that point in time were about a thousand to twelve hundred dollars, and I, I almost choked on my food when my buddy said, "Hey, I'm going to make uh, you know this much money selling knives this summer," and he was a seminary student, not a salesperson at all. So I was blown away. Yeah, I was like a thousand dollars was might as well have been a million dollars when you're in college. So what's the secret to becoming the number one salesperson? The, the secret was I had a mentor at the time that was an attorney, and um, he was the type of attorney that made all of his, he was a very good attorney, but he, he owned gas wells and oil wells and banks, and he, the common denominator as a poor college kid growing up on a farm, I noticed he was always giving things away. Always, like he'd buy, he'd find a deal on noodles and buy literally a semi load of noodles, and everybody at church the next Sunday would end up with a year's supply of noodles. So I started to, I pitched him the idea of giving knives as gifts, like pocket knives. And he got this little twinkle in his eye and he said, John, what if, what if, could I engrave something on a paring knife? And I thought he was crazy because all of his clients were guys. And he said, I said, Paul, I'll sell you as many paring knives as you want, but w- w- why? And he said, well, they're all married. And if I take care of the entire family, everything else takes care of itself. So I started to model what I learned from this small country attorney and started getting access to insurance companies. And and really, the, the model of a, what we now call appreciative leadership is really what changed the game. Because instead of selling one set of knives, I started to sell 100 or 1,000 or 10,000 pieces. So you scaled this. You, didn't, you weren't interested in going door to door and selling a set of knives to one family. You were interested in going to somebody's door and getting them to buy hundreds of knives, not just for their family, but their friends, their business associates. So th- this is brilliant. Yeah, so we, yeah, it, it turned the whole model on its head. I, I remember some of the original orders that we turned in, they literally, the, the office flagged them and thought, that, thought they were fake, um, <laughs> that I was going to try to resell them on eBay or that there was some scam or fraud going on because there wasn't enough co- columns uh, to fill out the order form for the amount of pieces that we were selling. So they really thought it was, this was, no way. Who, who and, Were you still knives? in college when you were doing this? Yeah, but I, I was able to, the first year I, I sold mostly to homeowners, but I targeted business owners and small companies. And, uh, but then we started to graduate into pro sports teams and other, uh, other bigger entities. But by the time I was a senior in college, I was their largest international distributor in the history of the company based upon the principles, these appreciative leadership principles that, uh, that we started to model and, and teach. And Right. Well, we're going to talk about appreciative leadership in just a little while, but I think it's fascinating that a kid in school, uh, college, and by the way, I sold uh, pots and pans in college. Yeah. Uh, I never sold Cutco knives. My son did. Uh, I remember I sold uh, something called TransArt, which actually I, because I was a, a young guy, uh, 18, my first semester in college, it was actually... Um, called uh, Printex Posters. It was a division of TransArt. TransArt is a multi-level marketing company. And uh, they gave me a catalog and they said, go out and sell. I did not understand the whole multi-level marketing part of this. All I understood is, hey, I get 25% for every dollar that I bring in. It's a pretty easy equation. That was easy for me. So I just, I got to sell a lot of of, uh, posters. And the posters averaged anywhere from 12 to $15. And they were laminated with colored borders and decorator colored tacks. And whoever bought them got to choose the color border they wanted and the tax and it took about a week or so to process it but I'm down at the University of Missouri and I'm going uh, selling I'm selling them this is what I did I had a you know couple of dozen catalogs I dropped a catalog off at each frat house in each sorority 
Come on. Yeah, and this is my first two weeks in in uh, college, my freshman year. I didn't know what I was doing. I dropped them off, and then uh, I said, here's the deal. You're going to buy these for Christmas presents, and you get to keep 10% of every dollar that comes in for your social. You tied them in. Right, so I got 15%, and I still thought, hey, if I sell 100 bucks worth of posters, that should be pretty easy. I get $15, bucks, and yeah. I'm just dropping off the poster, or the catalogs with order forms. And I would come back a week later and pick up the order forms. And I spent several hours on a Sunday night getting them all ready to send to the company. Within a month, I was the number one salesman in the country. Come on. I was winning, aside from the money, I was winning clock radios and bikes and headphones. All <laughs> and, kinds of incentives. Keep in mind, right. and when I, these, I mean, this is in the 1970s, so there really aren't high-tech you know, clock radios. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I got a Bose pre, pre-Walkman. <laughs> right, yeah. right. But you know, I was so excited getting all, I got little TV sets and things like that. And I had no idea. If I'd have thought about the multi-level marketing side of it, which I don't think Cutco really is. No, no. no. But it, had I understood the MLM side of it, I would have probably made a four because I would have recruited those kids. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Wow. That's, yeah. uh, so, I had no idea. We've, all the conversations we've had, you've never gone into well, that. Well, right behind me on my windowsill is a plaque uh, that says Shep Candyman Hiking. And in high school, when it came time to sell raffle tickets or candy bars for the soccer team order, I was the number one salesperson every time. And it's not that I'm a great salesperson. It's just I don't mind when people say no. I just go to the next person. Yep. And, I, I mean, I think that's part of the secret of sales. I mean, what about for you? Is that kind of the same thing? Yeah, I, would, I never – I mean, I grew up one of six kids and, and didn't grow up with, with a sales background so You had to be scrappy. So, so being scrappy and being persistent, yes. But being a salesperson, I, I didn't really – I never would have thought of myself that way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would say my, my gift is being creative and how I took a product that everybody else was selling one way and I saw a different angle. Right. Well, tell me about that first one you sold. Do you remember the first sale that you made? Of course. Tell me about it. Yeah. So the, uh, well, like any sale, you're going to try to, you reach out to the people that you know the best. And my first sale was, uh, I went to Malone college, small, you know, Christian liberal arts university. And I reached out to the person who was in charge of student activities. I remember it well. I sat down with her and her husband, and you know, this was a pretty significant purchase for them. But they bought a uh, probably about a six or seven hundred dollar set from me. So uh, it set me on you know on the direct path of of, of, of feeling you tasted successful. success. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm scared to death. I remember going to the Cutco interview, wearing glasses to look smarter, and wearing the one tie that I had to get you know for the, to get hired in. <laughs> And wondering if I'd make it through all three days of training. So I to say I was green and scared to death would be an understatement. So one of the things that Cutco does so well, and I only know this because of my son's experience, is that once you connect with this this first sale, who else can I call? Because your network's only so big. But then you start talking to your the people you sell to and find out there's people in their network that aren't in your network. They are master referral generators. Right. I, at almost every appointment that I had, I would get, I would average eight to ten leads. Because if you go in and have fun, I mean, you talk about being amazing. If you go in with the mindset of I'm going to sell a bunch of knives, nobody really wants to be sold. But if you go in and cut a bunch of food, you have kids on your lap, you're having fun, you're cooking them dinner. The worst case scenario, you're like, who else can I go cook dinner for in your neighborhood that you know that has kids or likes nice things? Everybody wants to send a poor college kid to somebody else that 
is going to go have fun with them. And so I remember I had one lady. I joined a country club just for the purpose of getting the the, uh, the directory, not the cold call. But I handed this this directory to one lady, and she checked off 97 names. People you could call. People I could call. Say, tell them so-and-so yeah, sent you. Tell me, tell, tell, tell them Sandy loves the product. And I was I flipped through. I knew she was checking off a lot of names. But I only counted 97 names. 97. So that kept you busy for a while. Oh, my God. And they're all country. <laughs> I mean, they're all Glenmore Country Club. It was ama- I mean, they're all pre-qualified. It was amazing. But, yeah, Cutco is amazing in a lot of parts of the train. I think it, for most college kids, it's one of the best training grounds on the planet. Well, communication skills are key. And if you, commu- if you learn to communicate through the sales process, I mean, it just gives you a leg up because no matter what you do in life, you're selling. Whether you actually sell a product and make a commission or make a, a living off of selling something, that's one way of selling. But everybody is selling themselves, whether they're just starting a new job, wanting to get noticed and recognized so they can be promoted and get a raise one day. Everybody is selling. All the time. Yeah, to even, your spouse. Even, exactly. I was going to say, even to your spouse. And by the way, you could call that selling if you want. <laughs> It is. I mean, it is. You put you put your best foot forward, and always, always. And uh, you've got a a beautiful wife, and that's a story unto itself. Uh, We may or may not have time to talk about. (laughs) But all right, we are talking with John Rulin, and when we come back, we're going to talk about something he calls appreciative leadership, which ties in to the roots of him being the number one salesperson in the world for one of the greatest uh, companies, I think, Cutco. Just by the way, they've they've done so many good things for so many people. People that have gotten involved with that company, helping kids learn how to communicate better, sell better. We're on Amazing Business Radio on CBS. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here, back again on Amazing Business Radio. We're with John Rulin. John is part of the Rulin Group, hence his name, Rulin, and that's R-U-H-L-I-N, rulingroup.com. If you want to learn more about his business, or you can tweet at him at at Rulin. Uh, John is an amazing salesperson who's built this company that basically is about gifting to your clients, to the people you care about. Uh, he's got, we'll, we'll talk about that, but you've got to know his clients, his client list is unbelievable. Somehow or another, he got connected in professional sports. So he's got NFL teams. He's got, uh, you know, the NBA. He's got, you know, he's got, uh, I mean, I'm looking at his client list. It's very impressive. You know, Orlando Magic, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, you know, for NASCAR, uh, San Antonio Spurs, Chicago Bears. Uh, and the list goes on and on with some amazing people. Anyway, we're talking now about something he loves to talk about called appreciative leadership. Tell us about appreciative leadership. Well, I think in any business, it doesn't matter the industry, most people would say that relationships are the, the core. You know, what your employees and your clients, your suppliers. Uh, but what I found is that most people might be very good at appreciating people at home, their spouse, or maybe at their church, they're very generous. But most people are very shallow, or they don't really have the time to engage in what we call appreciative leadership, really thoughtful, high-level gifting. Um, so so it's one thing, I'll give you an example, and tell me if I'm on, on task here. Um, I go and do a presentation as a favor to somebody, and they send me an Amazon gift card, a Starbucks gift card, okay? I appreciate that. But then I do it for another group, and they, ahead of time, they called my assistant, 
and they said, hey, what's Chef's favorite hobby? You know, he loves doing magic tricks. Oh, really? Anything I should know about? Well, he actually collects magic books, uh, old magic books. And then I get this gift of an old magic book from the person. And by the way, they may have paid $20 for it on eBay. It wasn't like it was an expensive magic book. What am I going to appreciate more, the $20 magic book or the $50 gift card? All day long, it's the, it's the personalized gift. Yeah, it's that they the were thought. thought. It's the thoughtful thought. A lot of times people just want to check a box. And I think as guys especially that we're setting the tones for, you know, 80% of the companies are being run by men. And if you ask their wife or their significant other, are they the th most thoughtful giver? Is that one of their core competencies? Most of the time it's not. And so we're oftentimes we want to kind of just put things on autopilot and we're not thinking through you know, how to really engage and deepen the relationship. We'll take somebody out to dinner. We'll take them out to a ball game. We kind of default to the same kind of consumable experiences. And so when you can give somebody that thoughtful trigger, that, that book, every time you pick up the book, you remember where it came from, right. even five or 10 years later. Right. You know, uh, I think the baseball game, taking somebody to a game is a nice opportunity to say thank you, but you get the chance to communicate and talk and get to know them and have dinner. And, and that's always nice. But the true gift the gift that'll make you pick, you know, and I think you taught me this. Um, uh, in, in one of the books I, I wrote called The Amazement Revolution, I think it was, one of the ideas was the after experience. Yes. What comes after you do business with somebody. And a friend of mine, Brian Lord, who's an agent that books me to speak, uh, he's down in Nashville, Tennessee, a premier speaker's um, phenomenal guy he found out one day that his client loved baseball and specifically loved a particular baseball player and he went on ebay and he bought a signed baseball and again wasn't very expensive he put it in a little plastic uh case yeah and he gave it to him and nowhere did it have his name or his company on it and i think that's one of your keys to truly you know delivering appreciative gifts is that it's not about your logo on something that you give yep. it might be their logo on something that you give a, a gift is uh, is by its nature i mean think about going to a wedding you would never engrave your own name on a wedding gift well sure i would no <laughs> i'm just kidding no i wouldn't you make it all about the recipient you make it all about the couple you put their wedding date and their name and whatever yeah. else you know but that big cake knife that i got them with the you know i put their wedding day but i put my logo underneath it no you did not yeah you're right i did not i did not <laughs> no it'd be crazy i mean you even in business it, for a wedding you would never put your logo on it but it, for some reason we've confused what a promotion is and what a gift a gift is recipient focused and when you make the gift all about the recipient, whether it's the baseball or whether it's something for their spouse or their assistant. It's amazing how all of a sudden you cut through the clutter and they realize that the relationship's for real. It's not just a business-oriented thing. It's a, a true relationship. Right. I received a set of steak knives from uh, one of my clients, is, and this is what they sent to all of their clients, and engraved on the handle was their logo, which I thought, oh, these are great steak knives, and I'll use them. Uh, but am I going to put somebody else's logo out on the kitchen table when I have guests over? Maybe, maybe not. They're really nice knives. However, this is what's cool. I received a set of knives from you once, and it didn't have your logo on it. It had uh, engraved on there for the home or for the hiking home or the hiking family. Yep. And I thought that is really cool. And you want to know something? Every time I pick up the knife, I always think of you. Always. And maybe that's just because I, I think of you anyway. <laughs> no, no, but seriously, anytime somebody does something, I go, wow. I, and we use it. I mean, you, you've recently sent me some huge 
cleaver that I actually feared for my life, so I've hit it. So More my wife, hatchet. yeah, it's a hatchet, and I'm worried that if I'm in the room and my wife's mad at me, I'm a dead man. You might not make <laughs> it out. Yeah, um, but you know, it's it's meant to be a gift that shows appreciation. They will remember where it is as long as it's memorable. Yep. And you know, my formula for a successful gift is it's memorable, it's unexpected, and it's appreciated. Yep. And I think you already touched on the personalization element. I think that if you look at most universities that get money you know, from donors, what's the reason they give so much money? I mean, you see Steve Ross give $200 million to the University of Michigan. His name's going to be on the side of the building. His name is really important. Everybody's name is so important. And I know that when you're, you're talking to <clears throat> the companies, you know, using people's name when you're talking to them is super important. But when you can engrave that into a knife or to a custom leather piece and, and make it all about them, it's amazing how that, that just we love to hear our own name. Right. And, and by the way, Rulin Group is much more than just Cutco Knives, even though we've talked a lot about that. That was just where you got the start and the concept of giving or selling I, uh, a knife set to a company to give to someone else. Yep. Uh, it just happened to be knives. You do much more than knives now. Yeah, we, uh, <clears throat> we focus on things, and, and we can talk about it later, but we focus on things that are world-class, that are practical. We call them practical luxuries, things that everybody would use. So we do custom leather goods. But as you mentioned, it's not really about the gift, even though it needs to be world-class, it needs to be personalized. Uh, the the post and pre experience when they receive the gift is huge. So you know that baseball game. Imagine if uh, you know everybody that was going to a baseball game got jerseys sent ahead of time before the event, or they sent they got home and there were jerseys for all their kids to to be able to give out to the kids that couldn't make it to the baseball game. A lot of time, it's the details around the gift. Um, that make it just as memorable and meaningful as the gift itself. Right. One of the greatest companies that I worked for, and I can't believe they did this for me. So I can, I mean, and I, I, I was hired to do a speech for Disney. And I thought, wow, they're hiring me to preach to the choir because I'm going to talk about customer service to <laughs> no. the people that have created the most amazing guest experience in the world. Yep. And this is what happened. I got back to my room after my speech, and my room was filled with stuffed animals and you know you know Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and and the dogs from the 101 Dalmatians and and I looked and it wasn't I looked at the tags on the dogs and there my kids names were on the tags and there was boxes and basically what they'd done is they must have gone into the merchandise store and, and I don't know hundreds of dollars of these great uh, you know stuffed animals and and characters and and I thought, wow, how am I going to get these home? Well, they not to worry about that because they took care they arranged of it. They and then when I got home, and and a couple of days later, my kids received this. Wow, what a surprise! And I will never forget how well that company took great care of me. And the next time I did business with them, and they asked me for something a little bit extra, no problem. I mean, all of a sudden, it's like the more you give the more you get. You know, there's that law of reciprocity. It's huge. You know, I believe in giving, and if something comes back, fine, but I don't keep score, yep. you know. Uh, but I do believe that there's good that comes from it, from everything. All right, so I'm confused, though, this, con this term appreciative leadership. So what's the leadership part of it? The leadership part is <clears throat> most of the time it's the, the tone of a company, the tone of appreciation in a company is set by the leader. 
So if the leader is appreciating their employees, you talk about this all the time, you got to take care of your internal customers before you can take care of your external. What's happening on the inside is felt on the outside. Exactly. I take care of those people internally. I make them fulfilled. I get them excited. They're going to go to the mat and take care of that customer for me. Absolutely. And the same thing with your suppliers. Most companies treat their suppliers horribly, but the best companies on the planet realize they don't have a business. Like Disney. They treated me so well. It's amazing. So when you, when the owner, CEO, VP, when the tone is set from the leadership that I, I don't care if you're the assistant, I don't care if you're the supplier, I don't care if you're the entry level employee, when you lead and say, we're not going to do this once a year, this is a part of the fabric of our culture. We're The handwritten notes are going to go out every single day to people, to internally, externally. The, the extra phone call to say thank you, it's not just the gifts, it's an overall tone of appreciation that just emanates out to your clients, it's how you treat your prospects, it's how you treat the doormen at the Ritz. It's it, When you start to, to lead with that and say, lead with gratitude, lead with appreciation, it's amazing how that starts to transform everybody around Right, you. it sets the tone. You become a role model. Um, you know, there's a concept, uh, and I've talked about it on the show, called uh, stooping to excellence. And it's Walt Disney concept, Disney again, where he would walk by a piece of paper, stoop down, pick it up, throw it away. And he said, if I actually walked by it and didn't stoop down and pick it up and throw it away, I gave permission for everybody to do so. So if I'm the leader of a company and I set the gratitude or appreciation concept of, hey, I'm always going to hold the door open. I'm always going to do the little extra. I'm going to create that value. Whatever it is, it could be an extra moment. It could be saying hello to everybody as I walk through the lobby. That sets the tone. And guess what? If I'm the leader and people are, you know, I hope wanting to work at my company and work for me, they're going to start picking up on those habits. Absolutely. Good habits beget more good habits. Yep. The leader sets the tone and the leader sets the budget. I think a lot of companies, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they want to do it. But if the leader hasn't really authorized HR to say, you know what, we're going to do, uh, we're going to, like in our company, one of the things we do for all of our uh, employees that work full time, a lot of them are working moms. We pay to have their house cleaned every other week. Oh, that's cool. 1500 bucks a year per employee. It's the best $1,500 we spend. But I and my business partners had to agree that, hey, this is a good investment. We have to walk the talk. Yeah, and, and you know whether it's uh, giving somebody a health club membership, uh, if they work for you, it's one of the perks. You know, it's, it's a nice perk. Those are very, very nice. Now, I do wonder, because I work with a lot of major corporations, yep. and they have restrictions on how much you can give somebody. Uh, they, you know, I, they send me a letter that says they'll accept any gift uh, up to $25. Or maybe they say, in lieu of a gift, would you please uh, send a charitable contribution to Children's Miracle Network? Yep. Uh, t- how do you get around? And if you want to show appreciation to the person that's been taking care of you, how do you do that? If you're, if you're limited, can you still make a big impact? I think that you can. I think that, uh, at least for us, I mean, our, we, we've taken our letterhead up in a, a, to a whole nother level. Our letterhead's $8 a piece. Now, why is that? Well, we, when we send a handwritten thank you note, it's on a piece of steel. It's an, yeah, I've it's seen a, your business card. It's an actual piece of steel. Yeah, it's a, they're $3 a piece. But it's when they we give that out, people value that more than – what's crazy is more than sometimes a $100 gift. They're like – 
this is your, like it just solidifies in their mind. So when they get a handwritten note from us, it, it almost becomes a piece of art that they're never going to throw away. I think specifically to, to companies that have gifting policies, there's some companies that are really, really rigid in that. And you can't even give them a pen. You can't even give them a $25 item. You can't even take them out to lunch. In those situations, your hands are kind of tied. And, and so you do the notes, you do the other things that, that don't cost anything. You know, it's the extra phone call. It's, it's going out of your way. I think there's a lot of companies that if you can take somebody out to dinner or around a golf or out to a ball game, most people put a lot of thought into the, the $100 dinners and they put zero thought into the actual tangible element, the gift, the follow-up, the pre or the post, or the, hey, it's middle of July, we're just thinking of you just because. So I would say if somebody can accept a nice dinner or a round of golf, they probably can accept a nice gift. Most of our gifts are in that 50 to $1,000 per gift. I mean, we have access That's to That's a Rolex. pretty big range, 50 to $1,000. Yeah, but it's, <clears throat> well, it's a pretty big range what somebody could spend on a, a nice round of golf at Pebble right. Beach or a dinner or, mm-hmm. or to go to a Cardinals game. You know, you can, for the green seats, are $250 a piece. You can spend a grand pretty quick. Right. So I think that we try to find that tangible, practical luxury. The goal is to appreciate, not to bribe or to create some awkwardness. And I think that's where we are very good about finding that fine line of, hey, we want to wow you, but we don't want to say, oh, my gosh, they must be charging too much if they can afford to send me a right. Rolex. That's another message. Yeah. Yeah, I've got to be careful with that. We are talking with John Rulin of the Rulin Group. We're talking about appreciative leadership and gifting and uh, many other things uh, about John. And when we come back, John has this concept of these 17 questions, asking the right 17 questions. We're going to learn more about that. My name's Shep Hiking. This is Amazing Business Radio on CBS. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here, and we are back on Amazing Business Radio with my friend, John Rulin. And we've been talking about the way you gift and show appreciation to your customers, to your employees, uh, even spouses. Uh, Let's talk about the 17 questions, because as I was looking over the material today, I noticed that you ask the right questions before executing on a relationship-type gift. So you have 17 of them. We don't need to do all 17, but give us the highlights. Yeah, I think, well, most people don't have a, uh, Keith Frazzi calls it a relationship action plan. And I think that, you know, we focus on logistics or our marketing plans. When you go into that sort of a, a, a mindset, you got to ask yourself the right questions when you're dealing with higher level clients or taking care of employees and wanting loyalty. And so one of the first thing I ask is it personalized? And we talked about this a little bit before, but is it really about them or is it about you? Um, because a lot of times it's, it's our ego and it's about us and it's not about the person. Um, one of the most important questions I think that, that people don't ask, and especially in your personal life, is when you go to somebody's graduation party, most people say, what's the least I can get away with at this graduation party? Is it $50? Is it $100? When you go into a relationship and you say, what's the most I can give here? As opposed to saying, how can I cut 5%? That extra five or ten percent makes a huge difference. That's why our business card started out as a dollar business card, and now are three dollars. Not to brag or to be crazy. It's to say, what's the most I could do in this situation? So I think when you start to ask yourself the right questions, you start going down different paths than you ever have been. Right. So that's great. Asking the right questions, and I love your business card. I mentioned this before. I have a plastic business card. People go, "Wow, that's really cool." It's plastic and it's see-through, and and I and they go, "I'm not going to throw that away. I don't want you to," and use it as an ice scraper. 
Now, your business card, you give it to somebody. If you're traveling, you tell them, make sure you take it out of your carry-on because they're not going to let you go through the airport <laughs> x-ray machine with this piece of steel. Well, no, I just, you, you, if you have 100 of them in a stack, it, it may, it, there are times when the x-ray machine goes off and they're like, what's in your bag, sir? <laughs> open it up like it's a metal business card. They're like, really? Like, yeah. So what other great questions can you ask? Well, I, I think uh, when would it mean the most? Uh, I think in business, it, it becomes easy to say uh, everybody gives gifts between Thanksgiving and Christmas or Thanksgiving. It's and expected. It's expected. It's, I call it the Valentine's Day syndrome. You have to give your wife or your spouse, uh, in my case, it's a wife, uh, flowers on Valentine's Day and a nice card. And it doesn't mean the most. It's kind of like you're, you're checking the box. It's expected. Right. You do it in the middle of July or in the middle of, uh, you know, August. Then and she then wonders what I was doing when I was out of town <laughs> if I do it. No, 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 no. It's, I just tell her it's because I love you. Yeah. And, mm. and if, if you, you make that part of your culture and, and your wife comes to kind of be, you know, that random, uh, that planned randomness. It's amazing how people just feel the love when you, when you do things when it means the most. So as opposed to doing it in December, you, you say, I'm going to do something for like we have a big campaign going out right now for St. Patrick's Day. We're going to do a ton of gifts saying we're lucky to work with you. Who I sent, love that. Who sends a business? And what is the gift that ties into luck? Um, well, in this case, well, I, I'll tell you what we did. I don't want to I don't want to ruin the surprise, but we just did for Valentine's Day. We did shears and say, let's cut to the chase. We love partnering with you. It was red Cutco shears, right. $100, $100 shears wow. and, with a Valentine's Day card. And all the, the pieces were personally engraved with the per, their logo, not ours and their name. We sent out 150 pairs. That's 15 grand. It was the make people were coming out of the woodwork like, oh, my gosh, this is the, the craziest, most thoughtful gift. It was nicer than some a lot of people got. For Valentine's Day, in their personal relationship, let alone a business relationship. Right. By the way, you gave you sent one of those to me. I love it, and I was so excited. I took it out and I said, "You know what you could do with these?" I said, "Give me a penny," and I actually <laughs> used the shears to cut through the how penny. Do you remember that? Because my son did this as part of his demonstration. Let me show you how great these shears are. And give me a penny, and I actually sliced through a penny, and then I wrapped them up nicely and gave them to my wife. For Valentine's. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But I love those shears. They're amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, something as simple as a pair of kitchen shears, uh, but packaged properly with the right theme, with the right handwritten note, the whole nine yards. It's amazing how doing something randomly, you know, and we do that. We try to do that once a quarter to key relationships and partners and friends and sometimes just cool people we meet on airplanes. I mean, we just... That that's our culture is that kind of surprise and delight year round, not just at Christmas. Because right. I think if you that's go into most people's offices, their their boardrooms are covered with fruit and nuts and wine, and they don't even, they they're giving it away faster than they could. Possibly I know. I love regifting uh, fruit cake. <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, you know, I know that giving gifts is a powerful thing in the business world, which is how you make your living. You have this incredible story about, you know, getting engaged yes. and the gift that you gave your wife, which is actually a memory she will never, ever forget and forgive you for, for that matter. There, there's... <laughs> but I, I, you're, I remember your, your thought process behind this was, I'm the guy that is all about giving great gifts. And if I can't come up with the most amazing gift for my at the time girlfriend as we got engaged you know who can tell us the story because it is a great story yeah i think well in early in our relationship i think i was a horrible gift giver because i would spend all my focus on outward things business focus and i'd come home and i have nothing less left in the gas tank and i wasn't creative and i wasn't romantic and so for my engagement i wanted to take it up and not so there'd be no question in her mind that she was the number one client she was the number one supplier she was the number one employee like she was everything 
So our kind of the, the long and the short of it is our, our, our favorite movie, I'm kind of a sap when it comes to this, is The Notebook. And so if, if you've watched The Notebook before, you know it's very romantic and there's tragedy and whatever else. And yeah, so, it's about an elderly woman yeah. uh, who has Alzheimer's. Yes. And uh, I, I always refer to him as Jim Rockford. Um, what's the name of the actor? I don't even know, but he's, he's played in 100 movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it was from the Rockford Files. Um, he was the he was the actor. He was her husband, and he would read from the notebook. Yes, and the diary. There, and you find out at the end it's their story. And every time at the end of the story, oh, she would remember. You killed the ending. No, just, <laughs> <laughs> spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> She'd read this story and remember uh, that you know that was their story for like ten right. minutes, just to get ten minutes of right. engaging and, and remember. And that's who what they it was were. about. He would read this story in hopes that that would spark the memory, and he would get her mind back for just ten minutes. Yeah, and it, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. What a cool gift! So I took our story and wrote it down in a notebook, and it was like fifty or seventy-five pages long handwritten and then i recorded a, re, me reading it on a on a little ipad or an ipod mini and uh put this the the ring was in the back of the notebook if you've seen shawshank redemption i literally sealed off the back half of this notebook put the ring inside so the plan was she was living in st louis at the time i'm living in ohio i had my brother who's a film he's been in film for uh, a number of years fly with me down to st louis he disguised me and put me in full makeup in the airport took three hours in a bathroom stall to make me look like I was 100, probably 80 years old. Made me look like I gained 80 pounds. The plan so you, was- you put makeup on and you basically, you're, in, you're, you're inside security. I'm through security. You're so through security. I'm already through security. So I'm in, a, in an airport bathroom with my brother, false teeth. You know, Nobody's going to recognize you, even your girlfriend. Not even my girlfriend. Because mm-hmm. I had arranged with Continental to be sitting on the plane next to her as she's and he hand delivers this box that looks like it got beaten up and lost at the airport. And she wouldn't be surprised that I, I flew him down to find this box and deliver it to her because it was Valentine's Day weekend. And she was not expecting an engagement. She was expecting maybe something fun for Valentine's Day. But the last thing on her mind was engagement. So he gives her the box. I'm supposed to be on the plane. And as she's reading it, it gets to the end and starts describing when I grow, you know, will you love me when I grow older? And I look like this and this and this. And it describes the guy sitting next to her on the plane because then I could crack open the notebook. That was a concept. You were going to sit next to her, engage in some kind of conversation at 30,000 yep. 30, feet. She's reading this thing. And at the end, opens it up. She's going to see the ring. Yeah. And then you're going to tell her. Yeah, get down on one knee and propose. And then her family had driven nine hours. It was waiting in a stretch Hummer. We had photographers <laughs> and our 50 closest friends waiting in a in a, uh, in a um, in a restaurant that we'd rented out. My cousin owned a restaurant. Um, what ended up but happening This is an was, engagement, not a gift. It's a party. It's it, a, and it's not even more than a party. It's an entire experience. It's an entire, like you talk about the, I wanted the Disney experience for her, the romantic. This is Disney on steroids. Yeah, this is so. It, it, it's it's <laughs> amazing. I'm just, I mean, you got to, I got this vision in my mind. So you've, you've got to, she's got the, the so she's got notebook. The, yeah, she's getting ready to get on the plane. I'm in a different part of the airport. They're going to escort me onto the plane. My brother's got a hidden camera to, to videotape this. Do they know you're an old man, or do, are they in on the deal, the airport? One or two of the employees knew, but that's about it. Okay. So it's pretty secretive. So I'm getting onto the plane, and I collapse right before the jetway. You collapse? I collapse. So they, they, they thought Why it was did part you of the collapse? act. Well, they thought it was part of the act. They turned me over, and I'm all blood in the face. 
What happened? So they didn't know. So they start cutting the clothes off. Another pilot gets off uh, another plane to come over to do CPR. They pull the, the and, defibrillator off And where off is the your wall. girlfriend at this time? She's, she's right. Looking, she's you know, listening to the me reading her the story. And she looks over and she's like, why is there not somebody with this person? Well, so then they take the wig off and everything. And they, she recognizes. She goes from like on cloud nine to like, like they had to build a wall of people around me to keep her away. She flipped. I mean, freaked. It was it was like her worst nightmare. But, um, so they they put the defibrillator on. It says hit me. So they shock me. Well, I like I go into like everything shuts down. Ambulance comes. There's police. They think you. So they they think you're an old person. They think you're an old person. And so okay. they start cutting stuff off and taking things off. And they and realize. When- that I'm not, and they defibbed you before or after they took your makeup off. They didn't uh, know. No, they so didn't they didn't know. know. Oh my gosh! But it's supposed to not hit you unless you need it. Well, that's part of the other story. So the FBI is showing up because there's a guy in disguise getting on an airplane. <laughs> oh no! She's riding in a cop car behind the ambulance. They take me to um, Saint. Uh, what is it? Saint John's? No, not Saint John's. Saint right Anthony's. By right by the airport. Uh, there. Uh, at, I can't even think of it now. They take you to a hospital. They take me to a hospital, right, right into ICU, on a ventilator, breathing machine. Everybody's getting texts. John, uh, John had a heart attack. His John his tried to sneak off. on the airplane, <laughs> looking forty years older, fifty years older than he was. Yeah, uh, trying to make an impression on. This is what I look like when I'm old. I hope you still love me when I look this way. I, yeah. And all she's going to remember is like I just I have this vision of Mission Impossible and that little rubber mask being pulled That's off. Exactly what it was like. Is that what it was like? Yeah. It was oh my gosh. And she yeah. sees. Oh my gosh. This is the guy that I date. Is he crazy? Is he insane? Yeah, yeah. And is he, is he going to live long enough to even like break up with him? Like, I mean, <laughs> so what ended up happening was I was on what happened uh, specifically. They ran tests. I I was on a very strict eating regimen, and I had no carbs. So I'm in an airport getting ready to propose in disguise, and I hadn't eaten any carbs for like six weeks. So my I had a blood sugar crash. That's what caused me to collapse. And um, I had a low blood sugar seizure, essentially. So it mit- the machine, the defibrillator, misread it. So they shocked me when I really didn't need shocked. So right. it put my body – I was already into shutdown mode. It really put it – so I could have died pretty easily. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so this is Valentine's Day, and I assume she said yes because you're now you're married with kids. Six, I, six days later on the airplane, no disguise. She never got to the end. Oh. So, I, so we listened to it together. We read it, and then I busted open, showed her the ring, got down on one knee at 30,000 feet with – still bloodied face from <laughs> six days earlier she said yes of course we both sobbed and got off the plane and went for sushi and no no party all right no, no stretch a home more no and, and so i need to know what, what the next opportunity to give her a gift was it her birthday was it the christmas holidays i t- i toned things down i quite would imagine a bit. i just need to know what was the next <laughs> gift <laughs> it took a number of years before i put yeah you know she's like i i would have just been really happy with a nice dinner and a rose and like something real simple so what I say is, you know, I made that gift partially about myself. Like I wanted this gift to be like, you know, written about in New York Times kind of stuff. And so I made the instead of making it about her, I made it a little bit too much about me, even though it was about her. I kind of oh, so there's so a lesson here. There is a lesson. It's is a good that, lesson. Is, is that you make the gift all about the person, and sometimes they don't want the crazy. Sometimes simple is can be better. Yes. We are with John Rulin, and he has just told an amazing story about gifting. We're going to be right back on Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. 
You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio. We are back with John Rulin, who's just told us an amazing and crazy story about when he got engaged and trying to impress his wife, or actually at the time, just girlfriend. She still married him, it was, <laughs> which is shocking. great. It is shocking because that is quite a story. He thought to himself, well, I'm the guy that's known for, for helping people give amazing gifts. I better do the same. Well, I guarantee that was a gift and an experience she won't forget. Any fun, you know, I'm sure they're not quite as crazy as that, but some experiences you've had with in the corporate world? Yeah, I think uh, one of my favorite stories ties into uh, to EO, which is how we originally met. Right, EO Entrepreneurs show. Organization. Yeah, great organization. So I'm at the first university. It's out in Vegas. It's like their 25th anniversary. And I hear this guy speak, Cameron Harold. He's a, you know, ran 1-800-GOT-JUNK and all these companies. And so I wanted to, I, I was blown away. I wanted him to be my mentor. And so I heard he was going to be coming to speak to our chapter. And so... I went up to him afterwards, and of course, I, I had season tickets to the Cavs because LeBron, you know, was in town and, and at that time, and and now again. That, that's uh, LeBron. That's basketball. Yeah, <laughs> Cavaliers. That's Cleveland. Yes. 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 So we had great season tickets, but everybody had. You know, there's eighteen thousand people that have tickets to the game, and we we're going to go to a nice dinner. So I was like, I need to do something to take it up a notch. So I said, what else are you going to be doing? He said, I'm, I'm at the Dollars Week. I'm going to go shop at Brooks Brothers. And so on the spot. Not dollars Week. Yeah, the dollar, like the dollar versus the Canadian dollar. Oh, okay. So his got dollar it. would buy a lot more than normal. So he, when he's in the U.S., he's oh, going to go got shopping. Oh, got it, because he's from Canada. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. from Vancouver. And so on the spot, I'm like, I'm a Jose Bank guy. What's your shirt size? I'll get you a shirt. And he looked at me kind of funny, and he gave me a size. And I had no intention of giving him a Jose Bank shirt. Now, as luck would have it, his flight gets delayed a couple, uh, couple times. And so he's going to almost miss the game. And so he's like, do you just want to cancel? I said, no, take your time. So in the meantime, I go up to Brooks Brothers and I put the Amex down. I said, hey, here's the guy's sizes. I want one of everything in the new collection. It was like $7,000 worth of clothes. And I went to the hotel that he was staying at. It was a Ritz or something like that downtown. And I said, he went to the GM and said, you got a VIP coming to town. Do you want to do something cool? He said, absolutely. What are you thinking? So we merchandised his whole room to look like a Brooks Brothers store. So when he came in. He walks in his hotel room. He walks into his hotel room after being just drained and a horrible day. And uh, we're down in the lobby waiting. And, and uh, he's like, oh, my gosh. So he starts taking pictures and texting and texting John DeJulius, who's a mutual friend of ours, about this is the I want to change my story. I thought the Four Seasons knew their stuff by remembering my name and having water when I go out for a jog. Like. He's like, he comes down, his eyes are the size of silver dollars. He's like, John, I've had a lot of cool things done, but this is unbelievable. He's like, whatever you want to talk about, for as long as you want to talk about it, I am all ears. So it opened the door. And and, and you know what's really cool about that is uh, you didn't buy him those clothes. No. No, no. He he actually ended up paying for yeah, those he clothes. Yeah, he ended up, half of them went back to the store. He right. didn't take them all. He took, he picked out what he wanted and cut a check and, right. and went on his way. And what's cool about that, I and mean, if you think about it, what you did is you gave him a gift, a gift that didn't cost you any money but just took time it was the thought it was the thought execution. that counted the execution the thought and i think that's a huge valuable lesson especially as we go back to one of the questions i asked earlier about companies that won't allow you to buy them a gift but uh they may not even allow you to take them to dinner but if you're gonna do something that gosh what could i do that would make it stand out you know uh surprise them somehow with something that means something to them that maybe you saved them time. Time is money, okay? Absolutely. Uh, maybe you were just thoughtful. It could be a charitable contribution in honor of somebody's 
kid. Um, you know, who knows? And by the way, that's a very cool thing. If you can find out if they have kids and you can do something for their kids, which, you know, we talked about Disney. I mean, you take care of that inner circle. I mean, most people, most guys, you and I, I mean, you fly, you're getting ready to fly to New Zealand and it's going to be first class or private jet. I mean, you golf the nicest places. We get treated really nice. We got the nice dinners. When you can take care of somebody's spouse, their assistant and their inner circle, their kids, it's a whole different level. You make the executive look good and make them feel good, but you take care of that inner circle. It's right. a whole different ballgame. Right. So the benefits to gifting are obvious. Uh, but I just want to – I think that, John, your whole concept of gifting is we don't give a gift to get something in return. Right. We give a gift because we're truly appreciating you. We appreciate you for what you've already done for us. It's not about the future. It's not about me. It's about you and me just telling you how much I appreciate it. But still, it opens doors. It, it, it deepens a relationship, ultimately leading to perhaps more business. Yep. Every, every business is about relationships, and you want to deepen the relationship. Most people do business with people what? That they like? They that, know that they know and trust and trust and that that are most top of mind. And so we, everybody has all these metrics around billboards versus online Facebook. We all want to be top of mind. We all want the cost per impression to be as low as possible. When you can give like the jacket, even though it didn't cost me anything, Cameron, five, 10 years later, is still snapping photos of himself in the jacket saying, I'm still wearing this, thinking about you on his way to go speak at some company. He's opened up so many doors because I'm top of mind. And we all want to be top of mind with all of our key relationships. The tangible gift, whether it's free or not, if you can put something in their hand, that's the reason the knives are so beautiful is most people, when they're breaking bread in their own home, it's with their inner circle. You know, you're their, sure if their Jeffrey spouse, Hazel's, their kids, their spouse, their kids, their family, their, their inner circle and their closest friends and family, people that are like them. So everybody wants a business that's based on referrals. How do you integrate yourself into the fabric of somebody's life? If you have the proper gifting strategy, you become like the, the artifact, the knife. Every time you're having a dinner, you're thinking of me whether you want to or not. I mean, that's a crazy thought. Wow. You know what? I do think of you. <laughs> <laughs> and your so, wife is too. Cindy is. That's scary. She's thinking, thinking of you too. Yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> so we're getting ready to wrap up here. You started to mention our friend Jeffrey. Yeah. Uh, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, Jeffrey Hazlett, if he's in town, you're probably going to have him over and you're going to have a meal at your house. Right. And you're going to say, Jeffrey, do you know my friend John? You should be working with John doing X, Y, Z. So it's amazing how when you your circles start to intersect and your, the ripple effect of gifting properly is you become top of mind in the most unique and intimate times in that person's day-to-day -day life. When everybody else is on the back burner, you're on the front burner. And it's right. amazing. Yeah, I, I sent somebody a beautiful set of knives that you created for me with their logo on it, and they sent me the doctor's bill when they sliced their finger. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right, as we start to wrap up here, I always ask this question, the one thing question. What's the one thing? What's the one idea? What's the one strategy, tactic? concept that you want to share with us it's going to take this concept for us and and personalize it take it to the next level get us to do something share with us the one thing the one thing i think to start out with uh spend 10 or 12 dollars and get what's called the five minute journal it's a basically it's a gratitude journal and it takes you through a five minute exercise of the three things that you're grateful for what are the wait, the five minute journal the five minute journal. and you can get this on, on amazon.com Amazon. Yeah. okay the, the guys from uh mastermind talks which is a great event they launched it there i think tim ferris who's written a bunch of books that i'm sure you're from a four-hour work week right i think bought five or ten thousand copies and started spreading them out when you get into the mindset every day to start and to and to end the day think 
thinking about what you're grateful for, okay. which oftentimes is people. It's, uh, you know, every business, we don't do business with companies. We do business with other people at companies. When you start to take the time to be, think about who you're grateful for, that's num- step number one. If you can start to capture those people on a list, and I call it a, um, an appreciation plan. And for me, it's, I have a hundred people on that that are key vendors and relationships and suppliers and um, prospects and key people I want Any to Any personal people? personal relationships yeah, on the oh, list? Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the core 100 for me. And, and I think some companies, uh, uh, Keith Frazzi just spoke, he talked about what are the, he asked Bill Gates, what are the thousand people or the thousand relationships that are going to help you get to the next level, Mr. Microsoft? And it it was mind blowing to him. And, but we, but we don't in business, we get so busy with the next deal and the next opportunity that we don't take a step back to say, who are we grateful for that got us here? And who should we be grateful for that's going to get us to the next level? Um, and actually document that and then lay out on a monthly or quarterly basis. I think, I think if you can get into the day-to-day mindset of maybe writing that one handwritten thank you note a day, that builds to maybe two thank you notes a day. And then maybe that builds to maybe I should start sending a gift once a year or once a quarter at a memorable time, not Christmas or Hanukkah or, or year end. But it's baby steps. You have to make it a, a duplicatable and a core part of your DNA. It can't be something that you try to do a thousand at one time because you're realistically that you're going to fall on your face. Right. So first thing to do is to get into the gratitude mindset and that is to get this, it's called the gratitude journal, five minute journal, the five minute journal. And you're simply writing down the things that you're thankful for throughout the day. I actually took a day planner and I, I, instead of making it a day planner, I called it a day reflector and I wrote down one personal and one business positive thing that happened to me throughout the day. I did that for a solid year. It is amazing how my mindset changed over a period of time. I was able to see good in even the darkest days that I was having a bad day. Somebody may have you know, passed away. I may have lost a deal. But I found good in virtually every day, both business and personal. Uh, so the first is to the, the, do the five-minute uh, journal, the gratitude yep. journal. And the second is to uh, create this plan, which is simply a list of the, well, Bill Gates might have a thousand friends that might be of influence to him and his future, but maybe a hundred of your hundred, you call it the core 100. Yeah, the the dream 100 is is more on the, like the prospecting side, but Mm -hmm. the core 100 is who are the hundred people that personally and professionally are going to make or break your business. And you need to stay connected to them. And by the way, those include your personal relationships as well. And your wife and kids better be right at the top. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Okay. And then start getting into a habit. Maybe it's a, a thank you note that you write once a week and then start doing it once a day and maybe a couple and then maybe starting to look for other opportunities. So that's kind of how you get into the gratitude mindset. Yep. We are with John Rulin and John, you know, a wonderful guy. We didn't really get much into his philanthropy, but you know what? I'm going to give you just a moment. Tell us about the bank really quick. It's a great story. Give us a quick 30 second, 60 second version of this because I don't want our listeners to miss this opportunity to hear you. Yeah. So if you go into McDonald's or if you go into like a, a Hudson News when you travel, <clears throat> you'll see that little box that collects money. Well, we make boxes like that. The ones that are in the airports are all our boxes. And then we also make ones if you go to Pasta House, you know, our buddy Kim Tucci has ones that are in the shape of a dinosaur. But we they're don't, banks. The banks. They're banks. Like that, piggy banks, but they're shaped funny. And, and they're on, and, yeah, they're piggy the, banks on steroids. Right. With mm-hmm. the purpose of what most people don't realize is McDonald's with those, with those boxes, with the metal ones, not the fun ones, they raise $30 million a year for... Uh, for Ronald McDonald House. And if you go to the Kettle Program for Salvation Army, $140 million. 
a nickel dime at a time does add up over time. And so we engage retailers and larger nonprofits to get these devices placed at major retailers and outlets all over the world. And all the money goes to charity. So you're making impact on so many different levels. You impact people's relationships with your business because it's all about gratitude and gifting and you're impacting your community with your charitable mindset. It's great to have John Rulin on Amazing Business Radio. My name's Chef Hyken. Thank you all very much for listening. And I want to remind you, as I always do, to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.